Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Good evening to the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 134. My name is Felipe Leon from San Diego, California, and with us, as always, from the Bay Area of Northern California is Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm doing good. Hi, everybody. Hi, Lupi. And with us from the Imperial Valley, just east of his hometown of East L.A., is Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing? Very good, very good. Thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for asking, David. Well, here we are in the winter of 2022, or well, the fall of 2022. And, um, you know, we had a, a jam-packed couple of weeks of female boxing, something that we're probably not going to see um, for a little bit uh, uh, because of the World Cup. The World Cup starts on Sunday, and usually nobody wants to compete with with uh, the World Cup. Uh, as far as TV is concerned, there is some, some fights coming up in the next couple of weeks with our next show scheduled for November 30th, but not like what we saw in the last couple of weeks where we saw an array of fights on, on all continents and on all networks. So let's go and jump into the fight results, starting with Friday, October 28th from Buenos Aires, Argentina, the WBA Super Flyweight Champion Clara Lescurat scored a unanimous decision defending her world title against Mexican Nyla Gil Sanabria in a 10-rounder. Scores there were 99-91 two times and 98-92. I was able to watch this fight today, actually, uh, you can find it on YouTube. And although I did see Let's Curat win, I think that um, the scorecards were a little bit more um, were a little bit more. They were wider than than they should have been, as far as what I saw the action in um, in um, uh, in the actual ring. What I, one thing that I saw surprising was that. Gil Sanabria from Mexico, she usually fights around 108, maybe 112 at the most. And she's had, she, I think she has gone up a couple times to 115, um, but not often. She's really a natural 108. And I didn't see a big difference in the size between the Argentinian Les Curat and Gil Sanabria. And the way that she fights, she's kind of open, she's kind of wide, she's kind of green, Les Curat. So with that said, I think in my uh, opinion, she's probably the weakest uh, champion at 115 pounds. She's a WBA champion. The WBC, we have Ashley Gonzalez, who just won that title, beating uh, Pequeña Lulu Juarez. And then the interim title for the WBC is possibly the best fighter in, 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 uh, within the champions, is Adelaida La Cobra Ruiz. Then we have the IBF champion, Micaela Lujan, who's 10 and 1. And then we have the WO. WBO champion, who's Tamao Ozawa, who might be the most experienced of them all as far as the champions are concerned. But Clara Lescurat might be the weakest champion in the 115-pound division from what I saw and from what she did against the Mexican Nyla Hill. Any, uh, either one of you get to watch the fight? I just Not saw me. a little bit of the highlight. Yeah. So if you get a chance, you could watch it on YouTube. You can see she doesn't look all that much bigger than Nyla, and I didn't see... Um, I think she's just a little bit green. She only has seven fights. So, and she's yeah, already Nyla looked like she was um, off balance. In what I saw of the highlights, a little off balance when she was swinging. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of, I mean, Nyla needs a little bit more experience too. She didn't have a lot of fights, but I think she had more fights than the champ. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know. If you guys get a chance, get to watch that fight. Also on the same night on Friday, October 28th, from Tijuana, Mexico, the two-time world champion, Kenya Enrique scored a two-round 
technical knockout over veteran Nora Cardosa in an eight-rounder. Uh, the time was there, 39 seconds of the second round. She sent her to the canvas in the first round with a body shot. And in the second round, she landed a left hook to the chin, uh, wobbled Cardosa. Cardosa took a knee. She beat the count, but the referee had seen enough. She didn't look all that there. And they stopped the fight at 39 seconds of the second round. Since then, Enriquez was at the WBC convention that just happened in Acapulco and where she was mandated uh, to face La Roca, uh, Yvette La Roca Zamora, former champion at 112 pounds. So number one, Kenny Enriquez against number two, Roca Zamora at some point in 2023. And then the winner there will determine the next WBC mandatory challenger for current WBA and WBC champion Marlene Esparza. So that is what's going on there on Saturday, October 29th in London on the zone. Katie Taylor scored a United decision over Karen Carvajal defending her IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO lightweight titles. Scores there were 100 to 91, 99 to 91, and 98, 92. Lupi, you watched this fight. What did you see in, in Katie Taylor? The usual with Katie Taylor with the fast combos and counters and it was action-packed and toe-to-toe the way I like it. Um, and Karen was there to fight. I mean, it takes a special person to get in the ring with, Kate, with Katie Taylor, and she held her own. And with her, it was her, obviously her toughest fight. But Katie always looks great. And then Katie, Katie gets tired because she's always moving and she's so fast. Like she looks winded, but she's always moving. David, did you see anything uh, worse for wear or better in Katie Taylor? Um, I think it was a really good fight for her to take after that uh, war she had with Amanda Serrano. Um, it was one of those fights that you, you need because you can't have a, another war uh, like she did with Serrano before. And I, it's actually a good thing that she didn't fight Amanda right away. I think uh, Eddie Hearn should be uh, thankful that uh, Amanda Amanda had other things to do uh, because it, you can't get into wars like that too many times. And it just wears you down really quick. And it was a good fight for Katie. She was able to do what she wanted. Uh try things. Uh, she's become a very, very polished professional fighter. I see it every time she fights. She's just a little better, a little more confident, a little more uh, strategic. Yeah, I agree with both of you and with Lupi as well that, you know, I think Katie Taylor has matured and has developed as much as she can. And this is her style and this is what we're going to see every time out. It's just a matter of who she's facing and what kind of fight they're going to put on. And then I agree with you, David, that you can't go into those big mega fights like what we saw with uh, Amanda Serrano. And I think that uh, Karen Carvajal uh, was just maybe like a holding pattern type of fight for Katie Taylor since it was announced afterwards that they're going to be looking to do the rematch with Serrano at that big stadium in Ireland. So um, I think that was just kind of keeping her busy, keeping her sharp and then seeing if that that fight can be made in the first trimester of 2023. On the same card, Edley Scottney scored a unanimous decision over Mario Romero in a 10-rounder at 122 pounds. Scores there were 97-94, 97-93, and 96-94. David, do you think that at this point, Edley Scottney, she's fighting 10-rounders, that she has what it takes to challenge uh, for a world title there? Um. Challenge, yes. Win, I don't know. Uh, it, she seems to be flattened out for a little while. Um, I, I expected a little bit more from her because when she first hit the scene, she she looked uh, ready. But I don't I don't know what it is. There's something missing mm-hmm. that I see in her in her style. Uh, she's very good, but I think she's there's something missing. That I can't pinpoint it. I got to look at her again. You know what I think? Okay, now that you say that, sorry, excuse me, David, but now that you say that, there is something missing. You know, she fights going forward, she fights going back. I mean, she fights when they hold her. Uh, but I think I was looking at her upper body, and, and she has a beautiful arm, but I think it, it, she's kind of 
stiff at top or it looks tense. But when she, so I think when she gets like, I don't know, like more little fluid movement in the upper body, because when she hits, you expect her to be stiff, but she's not like, I mean, she cut, she has these nice jabs and they come right back in. I think she has to work on that upper, just a little bit more fluid. Just a little bit more mo- movement. I think she needs to come to California and get some work. I seriously mm-hmm. do. I think she needs to get to California and get some work. What I actually saw in this fight is, and from seeing her record, she's seven and six and zero, oh, no knockouts, and this is her third fight in a row um, at ten rounds. So, at three. In her third fight, she was fighting an eight-rounder, and she started as a six-rounder. And, David, I think you you would agree with this since you were so experienced and you've seen so many fighters that how, how why are they putting her in the 10-rounder so soon? I, I understand they're trying to move her fast. She's only 24, so I don't understand. It's not a, an age type of thing. But I understand they're trying to move her fast. And what I think she's missing, in my opinion, is that she doesn't know how to develop, and it's not just her, but I think it's other fighters that they push fairly quickly into 10-round fights, is that they don't know how to develop a 10-round fight. You can't find a 10-round fight, not that she's doing it because she wouldn't have the conditioning for it, but you can't fight the same strategy in a 10-round fight as you do in a 4-round fight, a 6-round fight, or even an 8-round fight. Please. You have to develop your strategy and where you're going to push and where you're going to let off and where you're going to rest and where you're going to study your opponent, obviously the first round, but then where are you going to make an adjustment in the 10 round fight to maybe look for something else. And I think that that is only learned by experience. And at six fights already fighting 10 rounds, I don't think she's developed enough to know how to fight a 10 round fight. So that's why I believe she doesn't have any knockouts, and that's why I believe that you're seeing that maybe she's missing something. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, no, there's definitely something missing, uh, something to her her her, her game. Um, she should be better. I think she. I thought she's one of the best uh, prospects out there when she first hit the scene, and uh, mm-hmm. the last two or three fights. She hasn't really improved, you know. She hasn't really uh, gotten that kind of uh, sharpness and and uh, and ring intelligence that she should have. And uh, it's, I think, maybe you're right. She's been pushed too quickly. Maybe it is mm-hmm. the wrong thing to do with uh, with her. I think you have a point, Felipe. Because we've we've seen it with um, some of the girls from UK, even. Uh, maybe Taylor Robinson from Australia, they do get pushed. Amy Timlin that we talked about the last show, they get pushed, pushed a little too soon to get those 10-rounders. And then I, I think you got a point because we're seeing it. Let's see. I mean, I, I mean, obviously they can't slow down with her, um, but let's see what she ends up doing in her next fight. Um, moving but on. She is to- talented. Yeah, I mean, she is, but I, I think like that if they, if they just gave her a little bit more time and let her fight a couple six, mm-hmm. I mean, fight some six-rounders and some eight-rounders. Also, when you're fighting mm-hmm. a ten-rounder, you have to take bigger, uh, longer uh, rests. Like, her first ten-rounder was um, in, in February, and then she fought in May, which was three months later, which is not bad. But then she had a five-month layoff, you know, whether mm-hmm. it be that – the dates, or maybe she needed the rest. Um, so if you kind of have a fight, six-rounder, and then also if you're talking economics, it's a lot easier to fight a six-rounder, an eight-rounder. It's a lot more cost-effective than fighting ten-rounders. You could fight her more and more often and have her gain that experience and gain how to fight uh, a fight in, in, in for those rounds. So I think that, although I understand why they're doing it, they're trying to move her fast, you know, and trying to get her to a point where she could you know, um, challenge for a world title at 122 pounds where the champions are Mayelin Rivas for the WBA, Yabiles Martel for the WBC, Shernika Johnson for the IBF, and Segolini Lefebvre for the WBO. At this point, I don't even think she's ready for any of them with only six fights, even though she's fighting those 10 riders. So let's see how much longer that development is and see how 
how soon they could throw one of these champs. Uh, moving on to uh, that same Saturday, but in Mexico City, Yamiles Mercado scored a unanimous decision over Mariana Juarez, the veteran, at 122 pounds to defend her WBC world title. Scores there were 98, 92, and 97, 93, two times. I think the fight was pretty close, maybe even a 96, 94, because Mariana showed her experience. It wasn't a walk in the park for Mercado. You could see that she really had to be thinking in there, and I think that Mercado did score the harder, more telling punches, but I think Mariana, you know, showed a, a pretty good account of herself despite her age and despite being at 122 pounds when she's a natural, I mean, she started at 112 and she's been a world champion up to 118 pounds and now she's four pounds north of that. We did, I did run into her at the WBC convention and she did mention that there was talks of possibly a rematch. You know, what we saw on the screen or in the ring was a little bit closer than these scores of 98, 92, 97, 93. I mean, slightly. I think Mercado still won the fight. What is there a reason for a rematch? I don't think so. But, if I mean, if they're going to give it to her and, and, and they see the point, and then who are we to argue with that? Any of you get a chance to see that fight? No, not me. Yeah, I actually I, – I have it on right now. Okay. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I mean – Mariana does some things uh, that are interesting with her defense and, and scoring punches, but it just wasn't – they weren't telling enough and they weren't often enough. But Mercado, you know, she tried to box, and she boxed moving around and everything, but she, when she decided to trade and when she decided to land, she did land some, some hard punches. Um, the same night, but in Hilla River in Arizona, uh, and, and it was on the, on the YouTube channel for Showtime, since this was on the undercurrent of that Jake Paul fight, Shadisha Green scored a fifth-round uh, TKO over Gladys Suarez in a scheduled rounder at 168 pounds. The time there was two minutes, or Gladys uh, Suarez didn't uh, uh, answer the bell for the sixth round. Green and her management team were also at the WBC convention where they had the opportunity to ask as a silver champion for an opportunity against the full, for the for full-fledged champion who is uh, the unified champion um, – Undisputed, actually. Uh, French on Cruz Desern. It looks like it is going to be mandated, so she's going to possibly oh. be the, the next opponent for French on Cruz. So uh, let's see if that comes up in the, in, in the near future where they actually make it a fixture, official and they mandate that, that fight. In San Diego, on the zone, Areli Monsigno, the Mexican, scored a split decision over Argentinian Leonela Paola Judica to capture once again, because she had been the champion for the IBF at 112 pounds before. The scores there were 96-94 two times and 97-93. Actually, 96-94 for Muncino two times and 97-93 for Judica. David, you were in the house. What was your impression actually being there? Um, I thought that Muncino uh, jumped out of fun right away. And it was all about catch-up for, for the Argentine fighter after that. And you can't really lose two, three rounds and think you're going to win the fight. It, it, it's it's like the same thing that would happen that happened uh, with uh, Michaela Mayer. You lose uh, mm-hmm. your first two, three rounds, and, you know, it's it's hard. Because mm-hmm. you need three rounds in a row just to catch up. And that's what happened to the Argentine. She just fell behind, and then... Uh, after that, it was back and forth, and, you know, the, the rounds were close. But uh, those first three rounds killed her. Lupe, what did you think? You know what? I didn't, I didn't see this one. Wow. Well, I, well, I agree with you. I have to, if I can just say, hey, Felipe, if I can just say real quick, I went to um, my brother got married on – this weekend on Saturday, I drove out from northern to southern, stayed for the wedding for four hours, and drove home. I was wrecked. Wow. <laughs> That's what my. Jeez. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. So go on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a little bit closer. I mean, I wouldn't give it to Yudika. I think that, uh, that, I mean, I mean, I didn't score it, but if I had to give it just like, just like by watching it. I could argue for a draw, you know. I think that uh, that Yudika found a home for that right hand, 
and uh, and was able to score it more so in the second half and kind of make a case for herself. But I'm not going to argue with the split decision in favor of Arely Mucino. She's the 112-pound champion. I actually spoke to, um, at the convention, I spoke to, um, uh, what's her name? She's Argentinian as well, but she's bigger. And she was in the corner for, um, she was in the corner for Judica that night in San Diego against Arely Mucino. Uh, uh, let me look her up. Um, no, yeah, Barbie Dacero, Carolina Duver. Oh, let me read her name. Give me one second. Over here, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina Duver. I spoke to her and I asked her what were Judica's plans. If she was going to plan, there's no rematch clause, so she doesn't have a direct fight. Obviously, with Monsignor with being co promoted Golden Boy, I'm sure they're going to try to look for a fight against Marlene Esparza to try to unify. So Yudika is out of the picture there. If you take into account mm-hmm. Kenya Rodriguez and La Roca Zamora fighting to be the mandatory, you know, she could try to go to another organization and try to see if she could become uh, uh, a mandatory a challenger for the WBA title. But Marlene Esparza has that. I mean, the only one that she could try is for the WBO, which is another Argentinian by Gabriela Celeste Lanis. So I asked her if that was the plan. She was, well, you know, the plan might be that she tries to go for one of the other belts or she moves up to 115 pounds because as we've seen it right now, that that flyweight titles are going to be locked in for, for a little bit. And she's not going to get an important fight or a meaningful fight at flyweight for quite a while. So as far as Carolina Duer, who is part of her team, she did advise her to possibly start thinking about 115 pounds. And if she could get a, a, a fighter que es clara les cura, for the WBA mm. title, I don't see how she would lose that fight. Uh, yeah. So that'd be the way to go for uh, Paola Yudica, who was undefeated before facing Adele Monsigno. Now, on Saturday, November 5th, in Australia, Tyler Robertson scored a unanimous decision over Chaos Minowa in a title eliminator. I don't know what title it was, but the title eliminator scores were 98-92, 97-93, and 96-94. And then from Abu Dhabi in Dubai, Chantel Cameron stays undefeated and scores a unanimous decision over Jessica McCaskill at 140 pounds to capture, well, to add to her belt. Uh, I believe it was the WBA and the WBO. She was the owner of the IBF and WBC. So now she's the undisputed, undefeated, um, unified champion at 140 pounds. Scores there were 97-93 and 96-94 two times. Loopy. What did you see in Cameron, and what didn't you see in McCaskill? So that Chantel fought Jessica's fight and won. Because when I was thinking before this fight, Chantel, she's just she's a great boxer. She's got so much promise. You know, she's she has some stuff to learn. But she went in there if she could work this the way Jessica fights. I mean, Jessica's hard to fight. And Jessica, I thought Chantel fought Jessica's fight. And she won. And I thought Jessica looked terrible. I mean, I thought she, she didn't look good at all. I thought she should be stripped of all of her belts. I mean, I just, mm. she looked terrible. And for being an undisputed champion, it's kind of, that's all I thought. But Chantel, I mean, she looks, she's got just a promising career ahead of her. Who's next for her? You know, I like one thing about Chantel. I like how she shouted um, Callie Reese out and said that if Callie's health was, if she was better health wise, she should get the first shot. I like that. David, great chance. Um, I thought um, she fought a really smart Chantel, and uh, she took advantage of uh, uh, Jessica's uh, wide punches, mm-hmm. and Jessica. It took her a while to realize that she wasn't being effective and then she changed tactics mm-hmm. and she started punching straighter and going into a counter punch mode and she started getting becoming effective and uh then the fight changed again uh i thought it, i love this to see the the fact that women can change strategies now you know in the old days and i'm not talking old old i'm talking just 10 years ago you didn't see that kind of fight with women um now there there's so much strategy involved and they're so uh, advanced in their skills now that women can change tactics 
And if something's not working, they go to plan B or plan C. They never had that before. There's always just one plan, throw punches, throw a lot of punches, whoever wins, wins. Well, now we've seen the, the women's uh, boxing uh, IQ is, is advanced a couple of steps. And it was for me, it was very fun to see. It was mm-hmm. fun to see that they were able to just change and, and McCaskill figured out what she needed to do and started winning rounds. Wasn't it, it was too late, but she still started winning rounds. And then Cameron changed again, you know. It was like I was uh, amazed and, 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 you know, actually happy to see that, that they could do all this in, the, in a fight. And um, that it shows that women are, I mean, they really advanced a lot in the last uh, two, three years. Yeah, that was interesting. And, you know, one thing, I mean, if you go back to our earlier shows when we talk about McCaskill fights, whether it be against Katie Taylor or whether it be against Cecilia Breakhouse or against uh, uh, Erika Farias or, or anybody, you know, it's no secret that even though she she knows how to box. She decides to go into this into this unbalanced, come forward, mauler type of style, right? And yeah. we've seen it before. We saw it against Breakhouse, and it was effective against Breakhouse. It was effective against Far- Farias, and and for it to be effective against Cameron, who is a good boxer, I agree with David that she should have done more and with Lupi that she should have done more earlier on and be more aggressive. But what we saw is really when she really got into it with a fighter who was in her prime, because Cecilia Breckles is a very good boxer as well, but quite possibly not in her prime anymore. But when we Mm -hmm. see her against Chantel Cameron, who's in her prime and knows how to box, it was really telling how, how bad break uh, McCaskill would miss punches, how uh, out of balance she was, you know, how Mm -hmm. out of range she was in in the beginning. And then once, how David mentioned that she was able to change tactics and throw straighter punches and try to maybe not box, but maybe not be as aggressive as a mauler. She was, she was more effective, but I agree with David um, a little too, uh, too, too late. Now, it looks like before the fight, the WBO had informed not only McCaskill and her team, but also Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing that um, if she were to lose that fight, she was going to be stripped of her WBO welterweight title, whereas the other, the other Sanchez bodies didn't say that. Now it looks like the WBO is going to be getting, uh, taking away her WBO title, so she's going to stop being the undisputed and still be the unified. Um, and then, are they doing that? Yeah, they I believe so. That? I believe so. Wow. They are going to do. They're going to take the WBO title, so we'll soon maybe see somebody fighting for that WBO title uh, at oh. 147 pounds. And the other thing that also comes out is that I believe it was also announced, David that this was the last fight with Matchroom Boxing, that deal that they had signed three fights. This ends up mm-hmm. being her last fight. So as of right now, as far as we're concerned, and maybe there's something going on and maybe there are talks with somebody, but as far as we're concerned, Matt McCaskill doesn't have a promoter, David. Interesting. I didn't know that. Anybody interested in her? I mean, has she proven to be a ticket seller in Chicago, David, enough that, you know, somebody would be interested in signing her and maybe, you know, working? I mean, she is a champion, and and, and I'm sure that, that an, an, an undisputed still is not at least unified. So I'm sure that you could secure a TV date if you were to try to put her on, but obviously it's still expensive because she's, she – she, you know, she expects to get paid. You got to pay all the sanctioning fees for those, all those belts, obviously an opponent, and then the whole event. So let's see what happens there with Jessica McCaskill and which way she goes. Maybe, maybe Eddie Hearn signs, re-signs her for another three fights or maybe even something longer. She is, um, not that it would make a big difference because we've seen women fight well into their early 40s, if not 
um, even later than that. And as far as, we can, as far as we can see, McCaskill stays in shape all year round, but she is 38 years old. So uh, she's a little bit older than, 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 than most women out there and most champions. So let's see which way McCaskill goes now with a record of 12 wins, three losses, five wins by the way of knockout. So we go to Saturday, November 12th from Manchester, England. Uh, we saw Natasha Jonas unify the IBF, WBC, and WBO titles with the unanimous decision over Marie-Yves Carry in a 10-rounder. Scores there were 190, 98, 92, and 97-93. Lupe, did you get a chance to watch that fight? No, I just saw the highlights on it. So I was just looking. Um, you know what I noticed on DeCarry? Well, between her and Jonas, I mean, Jonas just looks so smaller but faster, and, and DeCarry looked a little sluggish. But I noticed that when DeCarry fought Clarissa Shields, she had this, like, bunny punch. Like, she had her hands up in this. She wasn't doing it anymore. But I will say, as I was watching the highlights, so it reminded me, I was thinking about Raquel Miller. And she also, I was thinking about Raquel Miller with um, Shadesha because everyone's talking about who the fight's coming up. And I can't help think, but, like, Raquel Miller's missing all these fights. You know, they're just passing her by. Shadesha's back in there. Jonas is moving around. I mean, that's just my own side note is what I was thinking. Like, what is Raquel? She's not in the mix, and she could be in this mix. That's just my side note. Let me just write that down, because we'll we'll, we'll touch the, the subject of Raquel in a little bit. Because uh, I did okay. find something, I did find something interesting regarding that. David, did you get to see Jonas beat the carry? No, I was at the Sunisa fight. Oh yeah, you're right. That was the same, the same night. The one thing that was interesting about um, Jonas is that she was smaller, like Lupe mentioned, but she was faster. I was pretty impressed. I mean, you don't, you don't really see two southpaws face each other that often. And I believe that it didn't really bother Jonas as much, whereas I think the carry was having some issue with it. And Jonas just uh, uh, looked really good. Although the carry did kind of push in the last three or four rounds, maybe the last three rounds, really push and really try to make a fight of it. But by that time, Jonas was way ahead in the cards. And lastly, in our fight review from Las Vegas, Nevada, Tinesia Estrada made her top-ranked debut with a unanimous decision over Jasmine Gala Villarino in a 10-rounder at 105 pounds, defending her WBA title against the WBO gold champion. Scores there were 100 to 93 times. David, you were there. How did the crowd uh, react to her, and what did you see as far as uh, Sines uh, was uh, involved? Well, it wasn't a big place. The, the Pearl Theater in the Palms Casino was kind of small. It seats maybe 2,000 people, maybe, uh, and but it was sold out, and Sinisa brings a whole lot of celebrities. I mean, all, every Latino male star was there. Um, it was kind of funny to see that so many celebrities were there in this tiny theater, and uh, she really packs them in, and uh, it was kind of... Uh, cool to see that she was she wasn't the main event but she was the co main event but she kind of stole the thunder because uh she really in that small theater you were able to hear her punches and she she can really whack that little girl can whack it's it's amazing to me that she her punches sound so loud but just as amazing was that argentine girl was able to take them <laughs> she took those shots and uh she never seemed to she seemed to Early on, she seemed like she might go down, but it didn't happen. She she withstood uh, the rushes. You didn't get a chance to see it, right, Lupe? Because you were at your uh, brother's wedding. No, but I did. Uh, I did watch it. So, um, I one, I thought it was a smart choice, you know, being one of her mandatories. And then I thought, poor girl, because said I want to hurt somebody. I'm ready. And I thought, oh, this poor girl. But she was, Villarino was relentless. I mean, Sinisa, of course, you know, she's unstoppable, unbeatable, and she won every round. I, but Villarino, she put up one heck of a fight. I mean, I thought the cards were a little wide. And I and I think, you know, that's not fair to both Sinisa, because Sinisa did not fight a body bag, because I know some people were thinking that when they thought, saw she was only 6-1. and one. 
Or to Villarino, because, you know, like I said, she put up one heck of a fight. One thing that I noticed, and we, we could probably um, blame her inactivity for the last year, because one of the storylines was that she hadn't fought in over 300 days or something like that, as far as she needs to was mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. and, and also give credit where credit is due for Villarino, is that, you know, Villarino scored some punches, some right hands that we possibly had not seen um, um, Siniesta get hit with, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so so that was pretty interesting. And it wasn't just one or two, but there was a number of them where she was getting caught with some right hands, uh, mm-hmm. some some straight right hands. And, um, and I thought that was pretty interesting uh, there. So... But I think we're gonna give Tinisa the benefit of the doubt and and uh and say that it was because of her maybe her timing was a little bit off because she hadn't fought in in, in over three hundred days. Maybe she was being a little bit more aggressive because it did look like she was trying to kind of like score a knockout. Um, so she was probably being a little bit more aggressive and leaving herself open to those kind of punches. But I found that interesting that even though she had fought other fighters who had more experience and were actually full-fledged world champions, they had not caught her with that type of punch, and Villarino was able to do so. So that was that was pretty interesting in my part. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. we'll see what Sinesa does next and how soon she, Top Rank would get her back in the ring coming in in 2023. Now, we move on to our fight chatter. And, David, you mentioned today um, that it looks like Lou DiBella, even though he doesn't have a set – TV date with the with the network, and despite he doesn't have a deal with the network where he can develop fighters, he still signs female boxers. Ludabella has been one of the most um, active uh, promoters out there as far as female boxing, and by signing uh, a number of fighters in the past and in the present, and he ended up signing former WBO super flyweight champion um, Mio Yoshida and current IBF. Super flyweight champion Chernika Johnson. Do you think at one point it would be beneficial to him for one way or the other to face him since they're both super flyweights? Uh, possibly, possibly, but I think uh, Chernika is not a world champion, is she? Uh, Chernika Johnson. She she has a title, but I don't think it's a world oh, no, title. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Let me let me look her up and see what we got. She's, she has a weird uh, first name. Here, I found her. Nope, that's not it. Yeah, she goes by Sugar Neeks. Like her boxing name. Sugar. Her last name is Johnson, right? Yeah. Yeah, Sherneka Johnson. Yeah, C-H-E-R-N-E-K-A. Mm, same as she. Nika, is she a bantamweight? Is she? Yeah. Uh, no, actually, she's a super, super bantamweight. Super. And she is the IBF super bantamweight. So I was confused. I was putting her in the same in the same because uh, I did see her in the list right here that I have for female champions. But she's the IBF super bantamweight champion. So yeah, it wouldn't be a good choice for me or Joshida. Um, so if you had to guess, David, what is the what is the uh, the thinking for Lou Bello signing these two? Uh, one former champion and one current champion. Um, well, I think uh, there is Australia is heating up. Australia and Asia is heating up. Uh, people are starting to take notice. Uh, you have your fighters like Ebony Bridges, who's going to be fighting uh, uh, Shannon. Uh, uh, what's her name? Sheesh. Um, what's that? O'Connor? O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, things are really heating up over there, and people are taking notice. And you've had two big fights already in Australia. Uh, they have good crowds there. They're, they're boxing hungry, just like just like England. And uh, I think that's one of the things that uh, Lou DeBell has taken a look at. And he also... 
puts on shows in New York. And from the last time I spoke to Mio, uh, Yoshida from Japan, she uh, told me that she wanted to fight in either New York or L.A. And so I think she chose New York, and she's hmm. going to make that her home. Oh, wow. Wow, she's going to move to New York? She's moving to New York. Wow. Wow, she has a little daughter, too, because I follow her on social media, and I know she has a right. daughter, so that would be a, a big move. Yeah, and she wants her daughter to learn English and, and go to school in, in uh, the U.S. Uh, it's nice. she, She's one of those uh, – a lot of the Japanese fighters are very adventurous, and they like to explore things, and uh, and they're not afraid to take chances or to to experiment and – they're, you know, they're willing to, to try things. That's what I've learned from my experience with the uh, Japanese fighters. Mm. Well, me and Yoshida, nice 15, 15 and 3, no knockout. She's coming off a loss, and she's actually lost two of their last three. She lost... Um, oh, well, title fight, so... Yeah, she lost, she lost her, her WBO Super Flyweight title to Tomoko Okuda, then had a rematch and beat her with the split decision, and then she lost the title in her next fight via split decision to the current champion Tamao Ozawa. So let's see if um, if uh, Lou DeBella is able to get her a chance at, uh, at, at getting that title back because that would be pretty interesting. Um, as far as Shanika Johnson, she's just coming off her win defending her title against Susie Ramadan in Australia on the undercard of uh, David Haney against George Cambosos too. So uh, she's right in the mix there at 122 pounds. The other champions there are the WBA is Marilene Rivas, the WBC is Yavnice Mercado, and the WBO is Segaline Lepebre. So she can get it right in the mix there um, with those other champions. Uh, other than yeah, that... You know, you know that, that Shonika Johnson, Sugar Neeks, she also has an amateur background. So she's like a five-time Queensland, and she's a Golden Gloves champ, and the Australian national, like a three-time Australian national. So she's got a nice little amateur background. And she's pretty and has the whole package, right? Yeah. She got really cut bad. So I don't see her fighting in about three months. Mm -hmm. That was a really nasty cut. But, hey, she fought all the way. Tough. Okay. So other than that, before we go up to our upcoming calendar, um, why don't you give us an update on the, I guess there's some amateur world championship uh, in, in Spain. Can you give us a, yeah. some that? Yeah. So it's the Youth Worlds um, in La Lucia, Spain. Um, so that just started this week. And my sister, um, Blanca Gutierrez, is one of the youth coaches for Team USA. So she's out there with them. And they had three fights. And with those three fights, three stoppages. So they had two guys who had the stoppages and one of our, I think she's, um, I think she's 125 youth, uh, Jocelyn Perez, who had a first round stoppage. Might've been a little too soon, but um, it, it's been a great week so far for USA. It's the first time that they've been at Worlds um, for the youth since 2018. And I think wow. some, yeah, they've had a, I think there was a, a gold and, they they had a good showing. So, so far, it's a good start. Great start. Yeah, well, oh, when, yeah. It, started, it started, when did it start? This weekend or these couple of days? How yeah, did, it, where it, did started, it start? Yes, uh, yesterday, Tuesday. And uh, how long is it for? A week, two weeks? It'll be two weeks, and the finals end a week from Saturday. So we have um, nine... We have nine. I think we have nine of our um, of our boxers there. I from believe. The no, actually, from uh, from a mix of boys and girls. So, oh, okay. any of our brawlers there? No, and none of our brawlers are there. Although my sister, they're asking my sister, can we get matched? <laughs> mm. Well, there you yeah, go. So it's, yeah, we're having a good start. Anything else you wanted to bring up, David? No, no, I, did, I was interested in, if there's any word of what's going to happen with the Olympics for women's boxing. 
Well, didn't they take I'm out? So curious. Didn't they tell, take out boxing in general? It was a danger. Yeah, it, it's in really in danger. Where they're saying it's probably not going to happen, but you know anything can happen between now and then. Well, we'll see. Well, there's still time because it just happened. Well, I mean, it was supposed to happen in 2020, and it happened, I think, in 2022 or in 2021. So, I mean, if it was to happen again, it would have to be in a couple of years to go with the 2020. So, let's see what happens there. So, with that mm-hmm. said, let's go to our upcoming calendar. Like we said at the top of the show, um, there isn't going to be a lot of action in the next month because of the World Cup, and none of the networks like to compete. With the World Cup, ESPN, things like that, um, pretty much the World Cup takes over all the sports. Um, so there is a little bit of boxing, um, may, many of it not televised, but I just wanted to bring it up because there were some interesting fights, like the one that's happening this Friday in the Czech Republic. Alexis Kubicki, who's 6-0, and is taking on uh, Isabel Millan, a former world title challenger, and a 10-rounder, 112 pounds. Millan had announced her retirement after her last loss, but kept in the gym, won a couple fights in Mexico, and despite having, I think, close to 30 fights, if not more, um, is the opponent for this 6-0 and uh, fighter. So let's see. Um, it's Emilian, actually, almost 40. Actually, she has 40 fights, 30 wins, 8 losses, 2 draws for Millan with 9 knockouts. She's coming off a draw and 2 straight losses. So she hasn't won since March of 2021. Um, I mean, I would imagine that if she were to look to lose to a, actually not a 6-0 fighter, but a 4-0 fighter in Alexa Kubicki, who's 4-0 with only 19 years old from Canada. I don't know why they're fighting the Czech Republic, but she's 4-0 with no knockouts from the Czech Republic. She's going to be jumping into her first um, – I, I, in her first, I think she's from Czech Republic, but she comes up in boxer guys from Canada. Um, mm-hmm. She's going to be jumping up into her first ten rounder against Miyan. She fought in an eight round, two eight rounders and two six rounders. She's only four and zero. Another fighter who's being pushed towards the ten rounder pretty early against a pretty experienced fighter. So let's see what happens there between Alexis Kubicki and Isabel Miyan this Friday, November eighteenth. On Saturday, November nineteenth from Guadalajara, Mexico. This is on the undercard of the Jaime Munguia fight. I don't know if it's going to be shown on the zone, but there is a uh, an undefeated uh, fighter from the Mexico City. Her name is Marilyn Barzillo. She's a flyweight or junior flyweight, and she's going to be taking on the experienced Mayela Perez in an eight-rounder. I don't know if they're going to actually show this fight on any of the broadcasts from the zone, but if they do, I would suggest this is a pretty good fight, a young undefeated fighter in Mexico against an older but very experienced Mayela Perez uh, in an eight-rounder. So that's a pretty good fight if the zone decides to broadcast it. But I don't know because on the card, I think there's like 12 to 15 fights scheduled. I, and is, Tuesday, it matchroom, is it a match yeah, room, Felipe? Is it a match Yeah, it's on the zone. It's going to be on – well, it's, uh, it's yeah, Golden Boy. Or Golden Boy. Oh. Yeah, it's Golden Boy. Yeah, you're right. Golden Boy. Then Golden Boy should have it on their YouTube or their Facebook. Oh, okay. Then oh, good. If, if they good don't deal. show them on the zone, they usually show it on the zone. Oh, then that's good then. Because that Valillo fight against Mayela Perez, I think that's going to be a pretty good fight. So we'll look for it there. On Tuesday, November 22nd, from New York, Mikaela Krebs take on, takes on Indeya Smith in an eight-rounder at 118 pounds. And on Saturday, November 26th, on the zone, Sandy Ryan takes Anaí Esther Sanchez in a 10-rounder uh, defending her WBC International 140-pound title. And from Carson, California, on pay-per-view, Evelyn Ooh. Bermudez, the IBF and WBO champion, takes on Yocasta Valle in a scheduled 10-runner wow. at 108 pounds. So Yocasta Valle is going to be moving up. And there's a rumor that she's going to be vacating her titles um, if she wins the, her 105-pound <coughs> title. If she wins, she's going to vacate the titles, not look for the undisputed at 105, and stay at 108, now being the IBF and WBO champion. Uh, we had touched this fight when it was first uh, unofficially announced, and I put my money on Evelyn Bermudez. I still keep putting my money on Evelyn Bermudez. I think she's a fighter that we don't know much about. 
a lot of people don't know much about, but I think that she might be the most solid 108-pound champion out there. And for Jacasta Valle to go from 105 and jump up to 108 to take on, in my opinion, the most solid fighter, I think she has uh, a lot to work on there. But mm-hmm. obviously, they fight the fights, and we got to see it. But um, but I, yeah. I got my money on Bermudez, mm-hmm. David. I know that you have been doing a lot of research on Bermudez. What are you seeing? Yeah. She is very, very strong. She's relentless. I mean, that's the best word to call her is relentless. And she loves the right hand. I mean, she'll throw the right hand five times in a row. And she she uses like a like like a laser pointer. She just throws it and that she's you can try and get out of the way but she'll hit you with it, even on the move. She's very accurate with it. But that's her weakness too, is that she has no left hook, none whatsoever. She uses a sweeper, but it doesn't really do anything. Her her left jab is stronger than her left hook, uh, mm. but she has a heck of a right hand, and she's pretty fast and pretty tall. Wow! And she so has they, a mean, oh. mean streak, very mean yeah. streak. Oh. I think I think you're Are you going, David? Oh yes, absolutely. I'm absolutely going there. I hope it's not cold and windy though. <laughs> Because it gets yeah, cold over cold. there, too. If they dig in the sports it's health park. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be cold because at that time, it's a part at the Dignity Sports Center, Dignity yep. Health Sports Park. It gets cold in mm-hmm. the fall. And when the sun goes down, wow, it gets super cold. So it gets warm. It sure does. And a scarf. Um, one thing that I want to touch on that we touched on as far as Raquel Miller, that when this fight card was originally announced and it was it was announced on BoxRec, and it was actually listed on BoxRec. Raquel Miller was on the card against the TBA, but now she's not listed as far as the fight card, and obviously she's not fighting because she would, it would have been announced by now since it's only uh, a week and a half away. So um, there you have it. I mean, at, at first it was kind of tentatively thought that Raquel Miller was going to be part of this fight card, but now we're seeing that she's not being it would have been a perfect fight card to be on. She's fought on Marvin's mm-hmm. cards before. It's in Southern California where she trains. She's originally from the from San Francisco. It's, I mean, if Luke could drive down, stay four hours, and drive back up, <laughs> I'm sure that some, uh, some of her fans could do the same to see her fight. But unfortunately, I guess for whatever reason, it did not happen. So, but I am looking forward to this Evelyn Bermudez because you got the fight. On, it's going to be on Fight TV. That's going to be a pay-per-view. I think it's around thirty-nine yeah. ninety-five. Obviously, with the main event, oh, uh, WB, the vacant WBC uh, super lightweight title fight between Jose Chontepeda and Regis Progres, former champion. And lastly, in our calendar, yeah, that's a good fight. On Dallas, Texas, Sharita Metcalf will be taking on Leanda Calderon in a six-rounder at 122 pounds. And that is our upcoming calendar, which we'll be talking about and much more on our next show on November 30th. So with nothing much more to say, on behalf of Lupe Gutierrez from the North uh, Northern California, Mr. David Avila from the Inland Empire in California, my name is Felipe Leon, and this has been the Two Minute Round. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, though.